Welcome back to Here's the Deal. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am chatting with Coach Mike Milner. Mike is one of my favorite coaches in the industry because he knows that mindset is way more important than just macros. In fact, his own podcast is called Mind Over Macros, and we actually start the conversation by talking about why he called his podcast Mind Over Macro. So of course we talk about mindset. We also dive into his book, The Personality Diet. He has developed his own style of coaching based around neurotyping. So you will have a specific plan based on the kind of person that you are, your preferences, your tendencies in a way to help you find the most success. And then we also talk about why it is so important that you cannot be on a diet all the time. We talk about the ramifications of that, how your body responds, how your brain responds, and why it's just a good idea to focus on other things for a while. So check out this episode and make sure you connect with Mike on Instagram, on Facebook, and check out his book, The Personality Diet. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, you guys. So I am so honored today to be joined by Coach Mike Milner. And that's with two L's, right, Mike? Two L's. You got it. <laughs> you guys, Mike is an amazing coach. He has his own awesome podcast, which you must be listening to. And we are in such alignment. I've been binging on his podcast um, in preparation for today. And it's like, praise hands as I'm like out walking my dog. I'm like, yes, Mike. Yes, Mike. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of repeat information, but I feel we can't say this stuff enough. Um, because just when I'm like, Oh, everybody's heard it all. I'll have someone come to me and be like, well, my friend just started this 1200 calorie diet. She's doing this crazy workout thing. So clearly we have work left to do Mike. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And I think that sometimes it helps to hear the same message delivered from different perspectives because you might say something that resonates with somebody and I might say the exact same thing, but the way I say it resonates with somebody else. And so it definitely helps to have the, uh, the various uh, perspectives delivered. I could not agree more. So I assume everyone knows you, but just in case someone does not, can you give us a little background about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I would make the opposite assumption and say that most people don't know me, uh, but my name is Mike Milner. I own Peak Optimization Performance or POP for short. Um, that is my coaching company. Um, I've been in the industry for about 11 years now, started as a personal trainer, found my passion in nutrition, uh, started as a nutrition coach and realized that there was kind of a fundamental flaw with the industry in general and the way that nutrition was being handled kind of across the board. And, and that was really the catalyst for starting my own business was because I saw that there was a lot of disservice being done on a massive scale. And I felt like we were ignoring the individual and we're all different. And so that was kind of like the, the turning point for me was like, okay, we, we've got a lot of work to do, like you mentioned, and 
yes. Yeah, so I've had my own business now for three years. I have a podcast. Um, I published a book called The Personality Diet. And really at the root of everything, it's just understanding your own individual needs to find the path to sustainability uh, and getting out of the diet box mindset where it's like, let me just search for the next program that I have to fit myself into versus having something that's built specifically for you. Absolutely. Um, your podcast is called Mind Over Macros. And I want to talk about why you called it Mind Over Macros. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question before. It just is interesting. Um, it's so obviously, you know, macros uh, are very popular in the nutrition space. And I started working for a company that was a macro coaching company. And that was when I first got into nutrition coaching and everything was very black and white. It was, here's your macro plan, follow the plan. And if you don't follow the plan, do better at following the plan. And there was no personalization and it was just a yes or no type of thing. Did you hit your macros? No, do better at hitting your macros. Did you hit your macros? Yes, great, keep hitting your macros. And that was it, that was the root of coaching. And what I saw was, this was a, a huge company, tens of thousands of people, it was you know, all delivered through an app and we had a ton of data to look at. When you look behind the scenes, behind the curtains, it was not pretty. You know, you're talking about thousands and thousands of people who are coming there for a specific result and moving away from that result slowly and, and just really in an unfortunate way. And the company line is essentially telling the person that they're to blame. So as they move further away from their goals and they're like, what the hell? I came here to lose some body fat and I'm actually gaining weight. What's happening? Or why isn't this working for me? And the company standard line is just do better at following the plan. If you followed the plan, it would work. You're not following the plan. And then the person is like, well, what's wrong with me? Why am I the problem? And I saw the, the not just the physical damage, but the psychological damage. And that to me was like, okay, this is not all right. And there's a disconnect, right? And, and what I started to notice was that when I actually spoke to people and we were like humans having a conversation, we realized that, you know, there's, there's a lot going on that we're not addressing and we're missing some of the mindset pieces of, you know, perception and thoughts around food and this necessary, you know, this uh, just drive for, for perfection, this all or nothing mindset. And it's like, I either have to hit every macro down to the gram or I'm a complete failure and why even bother? And so once I started having these conversations, it was so obvious that the mindset piece had to come first and the macro piece, you know, macros are just one tool in a very large toolbox. It can be great for some people and it can be really harmful for others. Like it's not the end all be all. And so I realized like, look, we need to start with what's most important. And for me personally, my opinion is that the psychology, the mindset, that's where it starts. That's the most important. And then the other stuff can come along for the ride, depending on the situation. So that's why I named it mind over macros. I could not agree more. I think at the end of the day, shoot, the macros are the easy part. It's exactly. the mindset because we yes. have to work on that every single day. And that's our, that, uh, that's our life's work forever yeah. and ever. We have to keep exactly. on working on that. I mean, you can take two people and you can have one individual who's consistent with their macros and, and it's part of their lifestyle and it's totally fine for them. And they're making a lot of progress and they have flexibility and they're enjoying life and they're seeing great progress. You can have another person who's hitting their macros every day, super consistent, but because of the way that they think about their food, the way that their, their thoughts and perceptions, and when they go out to eat, 
it's, you know, they have this anxiety about, well, how am I supposed to track this? And does this fit my macros? And they're not fully present. Very different outcomes. One is under a lot of stress, even though they're using the same method, the same mechanism to achieve a result. One of them is having these disordered thoughts, which is, which are potentially unhealthy. And then the other one is using it how, uh, in a way that works for them. So same situation, very different outcome, just based off of mindset alone. So with your neurotyping, can you talk more about that in case people aren't aware? Yeah. So essentially what neurotyping is, it's a, it's a way to understand how your personality plays into all of this, you know, in terms of your nutrition, your fitness, your lifestyle, uh, how you interact with others, your, your kind of chief motivation for, for behavior, like understanding yourself, better self-awareness at the end of the day. I'm a big believer that all processes of change have to start with self-awareness. And when we understand ourselves better, uh, it, it start, you start to have these light bulb moments. Uh, I'll use myself as an example. I am somebody who my chronic dieting days were very much about jumping to the next thing, shiny object syndrome. I would stay with a program for two to three weeks. I would lose interest and I would jump to the next thing or I wouldn't see results fast enough and I jumped to the next thing. I did that with my nutrition. I did that with my training. So my thought process was something's wrong with me, right? I'm the one that's the problem. I can't be consistent. So it's, it's a me problem. And the first time I had a coach who taught me about personality typing and how that plays a role, uh, my first coach, Christian Thibodeau, who, uh, you know, really was the one that opened the door for me to really like dive all in on neurotyping and, and personality typing. And he said, that's just your nature. You are an individual that craves variety. Stop fighting against it and start working with it. And I was like, oh, my God. And I started thinking about all the things in my life where that made perfect sense. And, you know, it, it goes pretty deep into like understanding your brain chemistry and the neurotransmitter balance. But essentially, at the highest level, it's just greater self-awareness. And it started to like the first thing it did was it gave me permission to fail and why all the other things didn't work for me. And then it gave me the avenue of, all right, well, I can make this work. I can still give myself the variety that my brain craves while still making progress towards my goals. That's awesome. I can't believe you like you. So you came up with this whole process and you wrote a book about it. Yeah. Your yeah. book? It's called the personality diet. Yeah. So yeah, really just like going in on the individual differences that we all have and why, you know, I kind of start with helping people to understand the fundamental flaw with the diet industry and why most programs don't work and why the 1200 calorie meal plan was never going to be successful. And all, all of like the, the stuff that we see that we've all experienced, right? We've done it. We've seen firsthand that it doesn't work, but our oftentimes, again, going back to mindset, oftentimes we believe that it was our fault. So we say, all right, well, this time I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm just going to go back to that program because when I was super consistent, I lost 30 pounds. But then life got in the way I fell off and I gained 50 back. And we think that that, you know, the program itself was successful, that we were the failure instead of thinking that maybe the vehicle itself was broken. So I, I start with outlining the fact that it's a vehicle problem. It's not a, you know, fundamental flaw in your character um, and how to do things differently and how to understand, you know, the role that your personality plays and the role that your, your lifestyle differences and your social life and all the things that make you unique how do we factor that all into the equation and come up with a process that feels very natural? It's, it's cliche to say the lifestyle approach, but really that's what we need. If you're going to sustain it, a lot of people don't connect the dots that 
what you do to attain it is what you need to do to sustain it. So again, like we need that level of uh, sustainability long-term. And, and so that's really kind of what the book is all about. And um, I get pretty deep into some of the like neuroscience side of things and just understanding uh, like how our brain actually works and how to, you know, kind of understand that process with like specific thoughts that we have around food habits. Like how do we actually form habits and create new habits? What's that all look like? And, uh, and the fact that we get to, to mold our brain, it's ever changing. And it's a really empowering thing to know that some of those cycles that you're stuck in are, are you can break them and you can create new patterns. And, and that's just a, a really kind of exciting thought for people to be like, oh, I'm actually not destined for failure. I have a whole opportunity to you know, achieve everything that I want. Oh my gosh. So as you're saying this, I'm assuming you're a fan of Joe Dispenza or you're familiar with his work. Very much so. Yeah, definitely. I can't go a podcast without bringing up Joe Dispenza. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is so powerful to know that we can sculpt and mold our brains into something else. Yeah, for sure. The whole concept of, of neuroplasticity and being able to, I, I use the analogy in the book of when you have a thought over and over again, it's like you're riding your bike over a dirt path. And the first time you ride over that dirt path, it doesn't really create much of a divot. But when you ride over that same path a million times, that's a pretty significant divot. However, you have the ability to change. And, and the reason why sometimes people find it difficult to change is because if you think about the first time you take a new path, well, there's not going to be much of a divot in that new path. And it's very easy to slide back into that massive divot that you created. So it does take work and it does take commitment. But we have that ability to literally rewire and create an entire new path that we can then ride down. And, uh, you know, it'll just make things so much easier in the long run. That is an excellent analogy. And just the thought of it makes me giddy to think about. Like nothing is predetermined. Anything is possible if you do the work. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, one of my, uh, with, with neurotyping, one of the things that I look at is, personality psychology and the role that that plays. And it's the same thing when you look at the research in personality psychology. Yes, we have things genetically that we are more uh, likely to gravitate towards in terms of like personality characteristics, in terms of things that are might be more natural, like for somebody who's extroverted, uh, might be slightly more gifted at sales just as a natural skill set. But that doesn't mean that somebody who's introverted can't get there. It just means that they have a little bit longer. So again, using like the analogy, genetically, that one person might be uh, further along at the starting line, but that person who's more introverted, even though they're starting further back, they still have just as much of an opportunity to get to the finish line and become quite efficient. So personality psychology says like we have this genetic starting point, but we can acquire as many tools in that personality toolbox as we so choose. It just is how much work are we going to have to put in to get there because it might not be a natural ability, which means it will take a little bit longer and a little bit more work. But I find that to be more rewarding. Um, and so there's advantages to actually having to work harder to get there. It's just all about perspective. Totally worth it. So the other thing we must talk about is the metabolic priming. Uh, I think it's the missing piece for a lot of people. I talk a lot about reverse dieting, but if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, we're saying the same thing when I talk about reverse dieting. Am I correct? Or Yeah. yeah. So the reason it's funny, because I, I started using metabolic priming, um, again, as a way to explain the process outside of what I saw 
people kind of misapplying reverse dieting. And, and this was just from my own experience with other programs. We're like, all right, we're going to do a reverse diet. And then it was just like, we're going to add calories. And then did your weight change? All right, we're going to add more calories. Did, did it change again? We're going to add more. And it just felt like it was very systematic without actually looking at biofeedback markers and getting, it was, it was very automatic, automated. And, and this, again, this is like, I'm biased from my past working experience and from companies that I've witnessed um, kind of butcher the process. So I was like, I didn't want to be associated with the like reverse dieting phrase, even though it is essentially the same thing. But I think, you know, from when I started talking about metabolic priming, um, it's also just, it's not just about adding calories. It's also about other things we can do to support the metabolism, right? So we can strength train, we can recover, we can manage stress, we can sleep well, we can hydrate, you know, we can walk all the, all these great things. We can look at food quality. So I felt like, all right, let's come up with a all encompassing way of describing this process where we're supporting metabolic health. But yes, essentially we're, we're talking about the same thing. Well, I honestly prefer the metabolic priming because um, every time I'm like, all right, well, so we need to start this reverse diet. I mean, it's like resistance right off the bat. And I think just the name of it, it it makes them go that way. Whereas if I were to, you know, phrase it as this metabolic priming, we're getting you ready for another amazing fat loss phase next year. um, (laughs) Then I would get more buy-in. It's not that I don't get the buy-in. It's just I do a lot of convincing. Myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Did you run into that? Like, am I the only one that has to convince people to eat more? No, it's uh, there is. An, I mean, look, I will fully admit that as somebody who comes from a chronic dieting background, who's uh, I am more prone to undereating than I am to overeating. I have that natural tendency. So even, um, and I've talked about this on on my podcast as well. When I had, I went through like a full year long bulking cycle, and it was by far the most difficult thing I've had to do. And I've gone through some pretty intense cuts. I've gone, you know, I've gotten very lean. I've, you know, gotten like sub 7% body fat and have done a lot of things that direction mm-hmm. bulking for that period of time. And like actually trying to build appreciable muscle and eat at a caloric level that seemed intimidating to me, that was mentally more difficult. So um, I think that, you know, again, coming from, diet industry influence, the messaging that we hear all the time about eat less and eat less. And if you want to lose weight, you have to eat less. And then all of a sudden, somebody's saying, actually, we're going to build you up. And they're like, wait a minute, I want fat loss. Why do I have to eat more calories? I've been told my whole life not to eat more. And and again, when you have somebody who is carrying around, you know, a significant amount of body fat that they like to lose, guess what every single doctor they've ever seen has told them, eat less, move more. And, and so it's been ingrained in our, our minds and it's just, okay, now we're hearing something that's very counter. And so the buy-in, once you, once you buy in, once you go through the process, you start to, to learn and educate and understand, then it makes sense. So I can practically say like, yes, even though my natural tendency is I have a slight fear of eating more, but I know that this is what I need to do and my body's going to thank me for it. And now I've been through it enough times to not second guess it anymore, but it, it, it is a process. It is. And I really do think every time I start when I end a diet and it's time for me to start adding more, I still have that resistance. So I totally get it. But I love how you also talk about the other benefits. It's not just about eating more. It's about, you know, lifting heavier. It's about being able to focus on something else. If anything, do it for that. For sure. I think that that is so critical when you start to see your energy levels improve and mood stability and your sex drive increases and your recovery is better. You're sleeping better. 
you know, performance, strength, all of those things, like that is really where we try to place the emphasis on like, look at what your body is telling you. Like, let's just sit with this feeling because, you know, three months ago, you could barely get through the day and you were relying on six cups of coffee and you were sleeping six hours. And now you have, you know, much more, you're killing it in the gym, you're recovering better, you're sleeping better, all these advantages. So absolutely, we have to, we have to focus on that. I know for me personally, like the first thing that I notice when I remove, when I cut calories is I get very cranky quickly. It's like my mood is the first thing that goes. And then I start to find myself like almost getting like brain fog. Like I can't put my words together. And, and usually I, I'm typically the type of person I can, I can speak pretty well and I can articulate what I'm trying to get across. But when I'm dieting, I'm like, uh, I can't put two sentences together and I notice it right away. So focusing on those positive biofeedback signals is, is super important. You know, what's interesting for me when I start a fat loss phase, I have a really hard time being compliant. Like I want, I have a child, I have a son. So I'll eat some of his breakfast that's left over. Like I never do that when I'm in maintenance. Yeah. It's only when I move into a deficit that I have that scarcity mindset. And I'm, it's just the way I'm wired. Like that's what happens. So it's been interesting to watch myself and become more aware. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people with, with like snacking and overindulging. And when you start to realize like, yeah, maybe part of that is because it's been restricting for so long. And once we have that, that you know, balance restored, then those urges kind of dissipate naturally. And, not, you know, sometimes there's other stuff going on that we have to work through, but a lot of times it just comes from your body's just craving energy and you are in this, like, you know, you're losing willpower by the, by the hour because you're always trying to eat less or not eat certain foods. And then when you see them in front of you, your, your body's like, Ooh, that's, that's quick energy. Give me that. And so it, it becomes very difficult to have that type of control. So um, yeah, absolutely. With uh, just overall consistency, when you are, looking, you know, when you're restoring homeostasis, we often see a lot of the, the binge tendencies, snacking tendencies kind of go down considerably. Absolutely. And, you know, on this same line, I don't think a lot of people understand how great they could feel if they were eating enough just to sustain their normal daily activities. But once you do it, you have to do it so that you believe it and buy into it. It's because it's a whole different world. Yeah, I would say that one of the most common things that I get told by clients was that I didn't know how bad I felt until I felt better. And so when it's like your, your norm and you've been dieting for so long, you've been under eating for so long. And then somebody asks you, how are you feeling? You're like, oh, I'm good. This is my norm. I'm used to this. So you don't actually know that there's something, you know, how good you could be feeling until you actually start going through the process and you start eating more and stress is lower and you have more energy and you're like, Oh my God, I feel amazing. I can't believe I went that long without feeling like this. And it just becomes this like light bulb moment. It is. And I love when it goes like full circle when, okay, we do do the metabolic priming, we're due to the reverse diet. They stay in maintenance for a long enough time to where we feel comfortable enough to put them into another fat loss phase. And they're like, Whoa, yeah, I forgot what this was like. And you like, see, there's a reason you don't want to be in a fat loss phase for any extended period of time, you want to get in, you want to get out and get back to your life. That's exactly right. And it's just, it gives that, that kind of frame of, I'm going to do this and, and get out as quickly as possible because I want to feel really good again. So for sure it has that impact. So um, one of the episodes I just listened to, you were talking about like finding this balance and you mentioned, you know, you were kind of an all in or all out kind of guy you used to be. Um, 
can we just talk about what does balance look like in this? I mean, I'm assuming it's different for everyone. How did, let's start with how do you start to find more of a balance? Yeah. So I was like the, the classic weekend warrior, um, where I was like super restrictive all week. And it was like, my goal was to eat as little as possible. Cause I was making up quote unquote, making up for my weekend indulgences. And that was the reality I lived for a long time. And it's funny. Cause I used to take, when I first got into fitness, um, I was taking this like boot camp class and I had been previously, like, I just thought I had to eat as little as possible and do as, as much cardio as possible. And that didn't work out too well. And then I found this like strength training gym and, you know, loved the process and they had these boot camp classes. So I was like, all right, I took this five o'clock class every single Monday and I would show up every Monday and the instructor, every single Monday, she would say the same thing. She'd be like, all right, guys, we're going to work off those weekend calories. And I'd be like, yes, this is why I'm here. Right. And I would think literally, I would think that this 45 minute class was going to undo the like, 10,000, 15,000 calories that I consumed on the weekend. And I repeated that process for, for a long time. And, and I started to, it, there was just one night in that class where I was like, I haven't made progress in forever. And here I am going through the same pattern over and over again. I just had this like one random thought of what if my weekend indulgences are actually a direct result of my weekday restriction. And it was like, that seems kind of crazy, but maybe it's crazy enough to make sense. And it, it was absolutely the case. So I went through the process of having more flexibility during the week. And all of a sudden, my weekends weren't as indulgent, and I wasn't as ravenous, and I wasn't as out of control. So that was where I started to find balance. And there were sacrifices that needed to be made, because I couldn't get by with, you know, drinking excessively every single weekend, I had to make a sacrifice, but I still enjoy a drink or two every week. You know, typically one or two drinks Saturday night is my norm. Mm -hmm. I might have a drink on Friday, one drink on Friday, one drink on Saturday. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Sometimes I don't drink at all. It just depends. But I have that incorporated into my lifestyle where I'm able to stay at the level of leanness that I prefer for myself. And that's going to fluctuate too. you know, there are times where I want to be leaner and times where I, I'm not as concerned with it. So I can kind of like toggle up and down that level of balance. It's, it's a moving target. There's no like perfect harmonious place that we all get to and stay there. It's a moving target. And it's what are you willing to sacrifice? And what does that look like for you? So if I decided that my, you know, level of leanness was not, you know, like, let's say I wanted to get extra lean, which I've done before. Well, now the balance looks a lot different because I can't have, you know, I have to cut out certain things. I have to cut back on certain things. And it just depends on your goals and what you want to accomplish and how important is it to you. So if you start like you know, removing alcohol, I got to the place where, and I'm just using alcohol because it's an easy example, but I got to a place where one to two drinks per week was enough for me to enjoy myself and be social and still achieve my goals. And if I were to cut it out completely, for the sake of reaching a goal, I would know that that's temporary because for me, having the drink on occasion, if I'm going to, you know, see my parents and we're going to have a glass of wine together, if I'm going to see my friends I haven't seen in a while, we're going to have a drink together. Uh, those moments are important to me, even though the alcohol itself isn't important. I like to just be there, experience it, and it's in moderation. That's balanced to me, but that will look different based off of your goals and what's important to you. And again, this all comes back to the individual. 
It's okay if your goals aren't to be extra, extra lean. That's awesome. I love people like that. But it's also okay if that is your goal. And understanding everything you want is going to cost something. There's always an opportunity cost. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exciting. So within that, um, you talked about like these phases, uh, the toggles rather. Can you talk more about toggles that we pull for different things? Yeah, so I feel like that's always the case. Um, nothing, nothing is ever stagnant. And I think that even something like maintenance, everyone thinks that like once they find maintenance, they have it forever. Maintenance is a moving target as well. As we evolve, as our lifestyle changes, as we age, as our activity changes, the stress in our life, it's a moving target. Uh, we have these different toggles based off of what are we trying to accomplish? So, you know, the, the balance toggle is, is an easy example. If I want to do a photo shoot and get really lean, uh, that's, that toggle is going to look very different than if I am comfortable gaining some weight and having more flexibility. Or let's say I want to go on a vacation and, you know, have just, I'm not going to track anything. I'm not going to worry about anything. That's a different toggle. Um, as we go through different phases, we're going to like pull different levers. We also have that for our metabolism. Uh, you know, one of the things that we want to do with our metabolism is not always play the same hand over and over again. So we've got the the eat less, exercise more toggle, which everyone uses and abuses, right. which is like a toggle that should be the the least amount of time. Then we have different toggles in terms of we can eat more, move more. We can eat less, move less. We can you know eat more move less like there's different toggles that we can utilize for our metabolism as well uh really anytime you're trying to accomplish something um there's going to be like like you mentioned there's there's that give and take what am i sacrificing what's the opportunity cost and so understanding that really helps you go in with a with a better mindset uh using the example last summer i prepped for a photo shoot i knew i wasn't going to stay that lean for very long it was one day let me get these pictures in and then let me go back to, you know, let my body recover and go back to a, a lifestyle level of leanness that works for me as an individual. I think that's really important. I want to talk about that in a second, but I feel like the eat less, exercise more toggle, we need to let everyone know that that's broken for a while. We can't use it. It's out of service for a while. <laughs> the button does not work right now. Try okay. another one, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that level of leanness. I think when you can understand that, okay, there's lifestyle lean, there's photo shoot lean, um, there's just different levels and you don't have to be photo shoot lean. Like nobody, nobody needs to be photo shoot lean year round. <laughs> no, not at all. And it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And by the way, those levels of leanness look different for everybody. So lifestyle lean for me looks very different than lifestyle lean for somebody else. And my photo shoot lean might be very different than somebody else's. It just depends on where you're at and what you're trying to accomplish. And so I think that one of the posts that I made last summer when I was going through it, uh, I posted a picture like it was either the day before or the day after my shoot. And I said, what nobody tells you is what it took to get here. I have no energy. I'm hungry all the time. I can't stop thinking about food. I have no sex drive. I'm moody. I'm like, like my, my girlfriend wants to kill me on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like these are all the things that I'm experiencing for just for this moment, it's not healthy. And, and people want to see the highlight reel. They want to see the, the pictures and be like, oh, that's the physique that I want. But when you start to understand what it took to get there, it's not so desirable and for sure not sustainable. And, you know, I also talked about the fact that coming out of that, 
know, I really felt out of control around food for a while. My body was trying to restore homeostasis was like, get us out of this mess that we're in. And so it was like, you know, months of, of just, you know, feeling like I had no uh, fullness signal. I was just always hungry and feeling like always out of control. So there's definitely a, a cost to trying to accomplish something like that. Yeah. Th- honestly, most people don't see if they're just looking at some fitness influencer online and got a bang and bod. We don't know how they're treating their partner. We don't know what their sleep quality is like hundred percent. Let's talk about homeostasis just in case people aren't aware. Like why is this so important and why does our body crave it? And how does being in a deficit pull us out of homeostasis? Yeah. So this is how our body was designed, right? We evolved um, you know, in, in a way that our body wants to keep us alive. That's it. Number one priority is keep this person alive at all costs. So homeostasis is essentially this level where your body essentially is not sensing any immediate threats to your survival. And, you know, just, we evolved in a way where the biggest threat to our survival there, you know, there was acute stress, like if we were, you know, during hunter gatherer times, we ran into a predator. It was like, okay, we have to either fight off this tiger, run from this tiger, or get eaten by this tiger. And we have this stress response system that's like, alert, something's wrong. We need to handle it right now. In terms of chronic stress, the only real threat to our survival from, from chronic stress standpoint was famine, was lack of nutrients coming in. We could starve to death, right? There, there, there wasn't this this food environment where everything was so abundant and easily available, like we had to, we had to hunt, we had to gather, we had to store up food. And sometimes it was scarce. And our body has this way of recognizing, oh, there's not enough coming in. And we have all of these adaptations that occur to try and keep us alive for longer in the event that there is a famine. So when we're chronically under eating, our body recognizes that as, uh uh-oh, there's not enough food coming in, let's kind of ring the bell, you know, alert, alert. And it's, and we go into, you know, downregulating your metabolism, thyroids reduced, sex hormones are reduced, uh, immune system is depressed, all of these things make sense from a, a protective standpoint, right? If I don't have enough food coming in, I don't want a really fast metabolism, because I would starve to death quicker. I want to preserve energy longer, because that's going to keep me alive. My fat is my protective layer that I can use that stored energy in the event that I don't have food coming in, um, you know, sex hormones, well, it's not the best time to procreate when we're, you know, when our uh, species is being threatened, or, you know, our survival is being threatened. Uh, and same thing with the immune system. Right now, we need all energy to kind of handle what is being thrown at us and, and keep us alive. So we preserve energy by depressing immune system, all of these things uh, make sense from a evolutionary standpoint, why we have these adaptations. So uh, anytime there's a stress, right, we're we're moving away from homeostasis. The ideal scenario is that it's an acute stress. We get, we handle it, and then we're back to baseline. Under periods of chronic stress, that's when we start to see issues, which, by the way, a calorie deficit and maintaining that for a very long period of time is a chronic stress. A um, couple things that we have to circle back on. Our bodies are running off of old software. So like our bodies haven't gotten the upgrade. So that's why it's even more important that we upgrade our brain, like Joe Dispenza style, like make those new inroads. So understanding all this, um, but then also, you know, specifically this last year and a half, everyone's been under so much more stress. And if you are trying to pile on a caloric deficit on top of that, and you haven't been successful, maybe it's trying to try something different. I mean, 
let's just see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, the biggest disruptor for homeostasis is stress. So you take situational environmental stress, mm-hmm. maybe work stress with, with people losing jobs, financial stress, relationship stress. Now we're all on top of each other with nowhere to go. Like all the stuff that kind of happened. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of stress. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to also try and reduce my calories and, and go through this fat loss phase. Uh, it's not the best recipe to be successful. I always say like, let's send the safety signal to our bodies to get our body to respond. Instead of sending the stress signal, what if we send the safety signal like, hey, everything's good. We're fine here. Uh, it's amazing how much your body responds in, in that capacity. Okay. It's amazing that you just said that. Um, the last woman that I spoke with on the podcast, basically, she said the exact same thing. Like our job is to send those signals of safety to our brain and our body. Um, so people listen, you're hearing it from different directions. You're hearing it from different voices. This is serious stuff. And I would like to know how do you help clients or how do you help them understand that this stress is such a big deal? Like, what if I'm coming to you and I'm hitting my macros, but my life is really crazy and messy right now. And I'm not seeing that stress is playing a role in my weight being stagnant or maybe even me gaining weight. Like, what do you tell me and what do you do? Yeah. So I think that awareness and education are super important. So kind of starting there and it's all, you know, it's communication first. It's let's have these conversations and let's find out what's going on. Uh, I'm a big believer in not just telling somebody, but asking questions so that they get there on their own. Now that doesn't always happen, but ultimately I like to ask those open-ended questions and see if they start to extract the conclusion of like, you know, well, how do you think that this is playing a role or how do you think that this is impacting you and seeing if they can start to piece it together. And then, you know, we'll go into a little bit more on the education side of things. Well, do you think that if you're under this much, much stress at your job and you're under this much stress at home, that it, it is making it a little bit more difficult for your body to let go of fat. And then, you know, we, we just, we open that conversation up and uh, starting with awareness, starting with education uh, and, and just always communicating back and forth. So um, that that's really the best way. I think that, um, you know, I'm a big believer in education drives compliance, um, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, it's, you can't force anything. Um, so that's why I love to kind of, I use a lot of, motivational interviewing in the way that we coach and just let's see if we can lead somebody um, to that answer for themselves and hope that they, you know, feel the necessary, um, I guess, just they, they need to be able to change on their own, even though having like the coach or the, I like, you know, the coach as the lighthouse to kind of illuminate what's going on, but they still have to drive the boat. Right. Yeah. I just started reading motivational interviewing. So interesting that you just brought that up. <laughs> It's a thick yeah. book, Mike. It's a real Absolutely. thick book. <laughs> I, I teach that in my course as well because I think it's so important. Um, just being able to know how to have those conversations because it can't. Sometimes people hear information and they shut down, or they get defensive, or it, it's just not received as the coach intended. So being able to have that skill set of of communicating in a way that leads somebody to where they need to go, and then allowing them to make the decisions and having the autonomy to make the decision for themselves. Uh, it's just a, I think, a more effective way to, to go about the whole process. It's really, you know, coaching is, is part art, part science. And so I think it's just uh, really having a, a wide array of skills to be able to get the desired outcome. I couldn't agree more. So my last question for you is um, really about our industry. 
Like, do you think it's getting better or what do you think still needs to be done? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question to answer. Um, I would say my, I am hopeful that it is getting better. Um, I think that we, I think that we're getting a more informed consumer, which is a positive thing. So I think that a lot of the coaches and a lot of the systems out there that continue to just hammer the eat less, move more, I don't think that they're going to last very long. I think that the the shelf life on that approach is, even though, look, it's been a very long time and we're still seeing increases in obesity, we're still seeing increases in chronic disease, we're not exactly heading in the best direction, but I am hopeful that as we continue to have these type of conversations, um, as we continue to spread awareness around why eating 1200 calories or just constantly hammering the eat less exercise more model is, is broken and will always be broken. I think we will eventually start to see a shift. I think some of the, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, the diet programs, the less informed coaches, whatever it is that, that are kind of shilling that information. I think that they, their days are numbered. I don't know how numbered they are uh, because it is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. It is very well-funded. There's a ton of marketing dollars behind it. So we've got our work cut out for us. Uh, but I will say that I am hopeful that we're turning a corner. And I really think it is because of the consumer. I think that people who are listening to your show, listening to my show, they, they want more education. They want to understand this stuff because they felt the way that we've felt where it's like something's not adding up here. If I've been doing this for sometimes decades and I'm still not where I need to be, maybe I do have to think about this differently. So I really think that it's because of our, our clients and the consumer who is starting to become more savvy in their approach. So that's my hope is that we'll con- continue to see that trend. I agree. Yeah, you're right that the industry, those programs or whatever, they have so much money behind them. And like you and I can't, we can compete with that, but it's hard. <laughs> but I think those consumers, like you have to seek out the helpers. You have to listen to Mike, listen to myself, listen to everyone he's got on his podcast, which <laughs> had some heavy hitters. That's why I love the platform. It's so cool to be able to like connect with people like yourself and have guests on that. I never imagined that now I like, you know, can have a conversation with them whenever, just because we connected on my show one time. It's like, it's, it's so cool. I could not agree more. It's like, I can't believe this is my job, you know, like talking to people, educating people. Well, I I am so grateful for your time, for your knowledge, everything you put out there. Um, Thank you for all that you do. Yeah, I appreciate it. And likewise, it's it's nice to have people like yourself where it's just, you know, quality information and, and spreading, you know, positivity and helping people understand what they, what they really need. And um, yeah, so I think that, uh, it, it is, it's nice to know that, that we're, we're not in this alone, that we've, we've got, you know, we've got reinforcements. So it, we it do. Helps. you're small, but mighty we, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because we're well-fed and we are strong. <laughs> right. Right. No brain fog over here. <laughs> so real quick, uh, where can everybody find you? I mean, obviously on Instagram coach Mike Milner, but there's an underscore in there. There's two underscores. Yeah. Two underscores. I know. I sometimes say it wrong on my podcast too, because it's like it's Coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. That's I my handle. And then uh, on Facebook, it's just my name, Mike Milner. Uh, my book, Personality Diet, and then my podcast is called Mind Over Macros. Um, that's pretty much it. My website, NeurotypeTraining.com. If you want to take the assessment, uh, find out your neurotype, you can do that for free. Uh, and then, yeah, 
those are all the places that I hang out. I have um, quite a few nutrition coaches that follow along. You offer a certification in neurotyping, right? Yep, I do. Yeah, okay. so we do a, a certification. Um, yeah, it's been really amazing just to see like how many coaches have taken to that methodology and want to understand it and just jump in and like are able to apply it right away and see success with their clients. And it really um, drives the connection to the individual because getting to know their personality and being able to tell them about it. And they're like, Oh my God, this is so me. And they felt, they feel more understood. And uh, it's been a, a really amazing uh, course so far. And we've only done, so I have, it's on demand. Anybody can, can take it and do like the digital version. And then I also do live weekend um, trainings to, to certify people, people over the weekend. So it's only been three of those at this point and um, been really well received so far. Do you have one of those coming up planned or anything? So I just did my last one in Arizona at the end of May. So I will be scheduling the next one probably around August sometime in that time frame. I'm not sure location yet. Well, if you ever want to come to Denver, let me know. <laughs> Denver would be an awesome location. Yeah, we're full of health nut kind of people. Yeah, yeah. I love the city. Everybody was like out walking with their dogs and having just definitely seemed like a very fit city. <laughs> and you're in Pittsburgh, right? I'm in Philadelphia, right outside. Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks again. I can't wait for everyone to keep following you. And it's, I'm, again, I'm so grateful, Mike. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. We'll talk to you soon, I hope.